the Erie Force Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We've been in a series called Step Up. This series has been about what the scriptures say about money and the steps to godly stewardship. Pastor Nicole started things off with the foundational step of obedience. She shared why it was important to tithe and honor God with our finances. Last week, she talked about the second step of godly stewardship, and that is generosity. We saw the joy that comes from choosing to give beyond just what's required. Today is the conclusion of our series, and Pastor Nicole will be sharing about the third step of stewardship, and that's sacrificial giving. We'll see how sacrificial giving is a response to the grace that God has already given to each of us. So let's wrap up our series today and see how we can continue to step up our finances. Here's Pastor Nicole. Two men were marooned on a tiny island, and one man paced back and forth worried, dreadfully frightened, while the other man sat back, whistling, tanning himself. And the first man said, aren't you afraid we're going to die here, that no one's going to find us? And the second man said, nope. And the first man said, how can you be so sure? And the second man said, I make $100,000 a month and I tithe faithfully to my church. My pastor will find me. <laughs> We're in this series. It's called Step Up. And um, this series is about what God says about our money. Uh, we've been looking at it kind of like a set of steps. Uh, and so the first thing we talked about is obedience and how obedience asks how much am I required to give? How much am I required to give? If I'm a believer in Jesus, if I'm a Bible uh, Christian, if I'm a person that reads the word and understands it, how much am I required to give? Which is a really good place to start. Every Christian should be obedient. Obedience always brings blessing. Then last week we talked about generosity. Uh, so generosity asks, how much can I give? How much can I give? Generosity never stops at the minimum. It goes above and beyond for God's kingdom. So today, we're going to climb to the top stair. Um, I don't think I'm going to climb to the top stair without a railing because I don't want you to see a terrible accident of my face. But uh, we are going to talk about sacrifice today. And sacrifice asks this question. If obedience says, how, am I, how much am I required to give? And generosity asks, how much can I give? Sacrifice asks, how much can I do without? How much can I do without? Sacrifice is very rare. Why is sacrifice so rare? Because it isn't easy. It's difficult giving things up. Sacrifice is not very popular. People don't generally sign up for sacrifice. Oh, that sounds good. Put me in for that. You know, in the scripture, we see a pattern and the pattern is everyone who has accomplished great things for God has paid an extraordinary price. Every person that was ever able to accomplish great things for God has made a significant sacrifice. The truth is you won't accomplish great things without paying a price. I wish I could tell you differently, but it just isn't the truth. Here's just a few examples from scripture. Um, Esther risked her life, her very life, to save her people. Joseph spent years in a dungeon before he led a nation. 
The New Testament church embraced a sacrificial lifestyle and launched the institution that changed the world, but it's because they sacrificed. Many of the disciples and the early church leaders uh, were ultimately killed for their role in starting the church. They were martyred. And of course, Paul, if you've read anything about him in the scripture, he endured shipwrecks and beatings and prison, and, and it was all just so he could do missionary work. If you want to be a difference maker, if you want to be a world changer, sacrifice is part of the deal. Sacrifice is part of the deal. God uses those who are willing to sacrifice in incredible ways. Now, here's some good news, I think. Um, sacrifice is progressive. Uh, just like we built these steps here today, obedience and generosity prepare you for sacrifice. So you might be here this morning and you're like, okay, pastor, we are coming out the gate hot. <laughs> like, don't start there. I'm not saying that you have to start there. You don't just jump to sacrifice. You don't just wake up Monday morning and think, oh yeah, I'll give it all away. I, I don't, there's really nothing else to talk about. No, but if you ever want to get to the point where God uses your life in an incredible, insane way, you will have to get to this level of sacrifice. But you know where you have to start? At obedience. And then you go to generosity. And then God gives you an opportunity for sacrifice. I do want to look at a person in the scripture today who modeled sacrifice. It comes from the book of Mark. Uh, and there's an incredible account of a nameless widow who Jesus commends and recognizes. I asked Pastor Andy if he would uh, read it for us in Mark 12, 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Okay, so we see in verse 41 uh, that the scene of this particular thing happening is set in the temple treasury. Now, there are some important things about the geographic uh, scene of this particular um, story in the scripture. In fact, where things happen in the Bible really matter. So as you're reading the Bible, make sure you're paying attention to the setting of what's happening. But the outermost court of the temple was called the court of Gentiles uh, because it could be entered by all the people. In fact, it was frequented often by the city's poor and sick asking for help. They just went there and they hung out because everyone could come to this outer court called the Gentile court. Now, the easternmost court was called the court of women. And you entered into this court by the gate named Beautiful. Everyone say, all right, I see. Yeah, the court of women, right? Beautiful. And this gate uh, looks like this. It stands today. Um, was made of Corinthian brass with rich ornaments. Um, I read this this week. It took the strength of 20 men to open and close the doors, okay, because it was this huge gate. And this court is where the Jewish Israelite women were welcome, and they could come, and they could bring sacrifices and pray and worship God. But 
this is important to know, it was not just an area for women exclusively. Okay, Jewish men could also come and congregate there. In fact, uh, there are many other stories in the New Testament where the setting is in the court of women. Um, I just want to tell you about one of them in John 2. Do you remember the story where Jesus drives out the money changers in the temple? He flips the tables over, right? And he says, um, get out of here. This is my father's house. That actually happened in the court of women. Um, also in John 8, um, if you remember the story, uh, the Pharisees drag a woman into the court. She was caught in the act of adultery, and Jesus bends down, and he writes something in the sand. Remember that story? That also happened in the court of women, and, and many other in the New Testament. But what, what's happening in this moment is the court of women was the one place in the temple where all the Israelites could gather together. There was also a court of, a third court called the Court of Israel, which was only open to Jewish men. Uh, women were not allowed in there. But in the Court of Women, this is where the temple treasury was found. Okay, this is fascinating to me because follow me here on this thought process. Jesus could have taught anywhere in the temple. Okay, Jesus, he was a Jewish man, he could go into the Court of Israel at any time, but he did not isolate himself or his teaching just to the men. He did not isolate his teaching just to the elite or the powerful. He did not isolate his teaching just to the people that probably had money or more money than the other people. He taught where both men and women, rich and poor, could hear and understand. And just where this particular passage takes place, he is making a huge statement by this action. God is communicating something through the placement of where the treasury is. And this is what he's saying. Jesus did not disqualify anyone from the calling and the mandate to live a generous life. He doesn't disqualify anyone. He teaches it in a place where everyone can hear it. And he puts the treasury in the court of women where everyone can have access. Okay, so imagine with me in this particular court, uh, there's 13 trumpet-shaped receptacles placed there to receive offerings of the faithful. And these boxes were narrow at the top and wider at the bottom. But also, remember, there was no paper money at the time. And there was also no Visa, MasterCard, or American Express. Um, and so everyone who came had coins. Okay, that's what you had. You had gold, you had coins. Everyone had coins. And so um, that's what's happening in this treasury. There's all these receptacles and everyone had coins. Okay, I have a question for you. Uh, Pastor Andy, have you ever been in an airport or waiting to go on a flight and you people watched? Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyone else saying here, yeah, I'm a people watcher. I sit in the mall. I see what's happening. Okay, I look around. Some of you are like, I'm doing it right now to the people in the pews in front of me. Like, why is he keep bitching his head? Like, what's going on? But... This is what Jesus is doing in Mark 12. He's people watching. And he's watching the crowd, and they probably aren't even noticing he's there. Uh, I think often we think about uh, when Jesus shows up, he's like, Jesus, you know, but he wasn't. He was just a normal, he just would walk through, okay, he would just do his thing, and, and, and he would have these conversations. And so some of the scribes and the Pharisees uh, were walking around, and they were taking their bags of coins, and they were pouring them in, loudly and confidently and excited. And the coins would probably have made a noise, maybe something like this. Right, right. That's what they were doing. You can stay right there for a minute. All right, so the, the gospel writer Luke, 
he tells this portion of scripture and he adds that the people who were pouring in their coins like that, they were giving out of their surplus. This was like their extra that they had. Now, this is interesting. Jesus, he doesn't comment on whether he is or he's not impressed by that. Uh, he, he, he is not condemning of these gifts. It is not wrong that people have wealth. He, he actually doesn't comment about this, but he zeroes in and focuses on one poor anonymous widow. And this widow is also presenting her offering at the temple treasury, same place as everyone else. And Mark 12 says the offering was two small copper coins. And that amounted to the equivalent of one cent. One cent. And the woman didn't know Jesus was watching her. And you would have had to strain to hear the sound of these two coins in the offering. Thank you. So what do we see here? What do we see here in this passage? What we see happening here is God sees what man overlooks. God sees what man overlooks. And those big gifts in the temple, they were surely noticed by people. That's probably what the disciples were watching. But Jesus saw what probably no one else did. He saw the humble, sacrificial gift of a poor widow. That was the gift that Jesus is thought worthy of commenting in Mark 12. That was the gift that he wanted to teach the disciples about. The other gifts in the treasury that day made a lot of noise as they jingled into the receptacles. But the widow's coins, that was a noise heard in heaven. That was a noise heard by all of the saints and angels in heaven. Because God sees what man overlooks. And he sees every gift and every giver. And I want you to know the same is true today each time we give to the Lord. Listen, he's paying attention. He doesn't miss a thing. He sees every sacrifice that you make that no one else does. And I want you to know today, maybe you're here and you feel overlooked and you feel undervalued, maybe in your home or at your workplace or, or maybe even here at church, and you may wonder, what you can contribute to God's kingdom, and you might not feel like it's very much, but I want you to know God sees what man overlooks. God sees you today, and a generous life is paramount in God's eyes. And what you're doing may not feel like a lot. It may not feel like a big gift, but what you're doing, God sees, and he honors, and, and, and is heard in heaven. Your gift is heard in heaven. That day, there were many people who came to give their offering. But I love that Jesus singles out this widow as an outstanding example. The gold medal giver in the New Testament. A woman who contributed one cent. Her sacrifice pleased the Lord and is now used as an example for us. And this passage about the poor widow teaches us very clearly that God looks at our giving differently than man does. And I just want to tell you briefly two really distinct things that we can see here. One, Jesus notices the cost of the gift to the giver. Okay, Jesus notices the cost of the gift to the giver. Paul Harvey told a story about a woman who called uh, the Butterball Turkey Company and asked whether she could cook a turkey that had been in her freezer for 23 years. 
It wasn't grandma. Okay, I'm saying this to my brothers over here because they went. All right. And the customer service rep explained, uh, I mean, that could be okay if it had maintained a below zero temperature the whole time, but the flavor would probably be deteriorated so much that it wouldn't be very tasty. And the woman said, oh, that's what we thought. We'll just donate it to the church. <laughs> okay, so slightly missing the point here, right, of the, of the sacrifice it was to give the frozen turkey. In Mark 12, Jesus explains the widow gave all she had. That same gift, those two pennies coming from another person, maybe would not have cost them anything. They wouldn't have had to go without or adjust their lifestyle in any way. It was pocket change. But this widow may have gone hungry after she gave what she gave. Her gift was incredibly costly to her. She had climbed the stairs of sacrifice because she gave something away that if she would have kept, it, it, would, have, it would have affected her. And you know, I fear that often we mostly give God our leftovers and our frostbit turkeys. And if we have anything left after we've spent the rest, we might drop something in the offering bucket. Or if we remember around the Friday of a payday, we, we sporadically give an offering online. Or we look at our school debt and our car debt and our mortgage payment and we do the math on our iPhone calculator and we decide, you know what, there's just really no extra to give to God. But the gifts we give that cost us something are the ones that Jesus finds so valuable. The holy habit of putting God first in our finances before all of our needs and especially before all of our wants is what he's asking us to do. The second way that God looks at our giving is this. Jesus notices when our giving is an act of worship. You know, Jesus in his omniscience, he, he knew the motives of every heart of everybody who put a coin in the treasury that day. Um, motive means everything when it comes to giving. This is why the scripture says uh, God loves a cheerful giver because a person who gives out of gratitude and love to him uh, is, is what he loves. Listen, we should never give out of pressure or guilt. Okay, the widow didn't feel pressure to come and give her coins. She was honored to give what she had. She was honored to be give a sacrifice to God. It's not like she felt guilty into it. She genuinely asked the question, how much can I live without? Sacrificial giving is a response to God's grace. Jesus Christ pours out his love for us. He makes a way for our selfish, human, sinful hearts to be forgiven. He died on a cross. He bore all of our sin and our shame and our place. And by the blood of Jesus, we're redeemed and we're saved from eternal judgment. We're saved from living in darkness and pain and without hope because Jesus died on a cross for us. And here's what I want to tell you. This sermon, this sermon series is about what we do with our money, but listen, really the message is about what we do with our heart. And that was always Jesus's intention. Every time he talked about money, do you know what he was really talking about? Your heart. And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and your life and forgive you of your sin, I, I wanna tell you that's what this message is about. It's about asking Jesus to be Lord of your life 
And that's the best decision you'll ever make. It seals your eternity in heaven with Jesus and all the saints and all the angels. And listen, there's urgency for you to make this decision because no one is guaranteed tomorrow. And if you want to pray with someone about that today, at the end of of the service, there'll be people to my right and to my left at these prayer tables. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to talk with you about it. Because here's the thing. Jesus was so generous. He was so giving to us. He even gave his own life to us. And our giving should always be in the response to that grace. I love this quote by Pastor Randy Alcorn. He said this, God's grace is the lightning and our giving is the thunder. And just like thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. It is possible to give without a deep understanding of God's grace, but it is impossible to have a deep understanding of grace and not give. It's impossible. If you have an understanding of God's grace, then you can't help but say, Lord, I'll be obedient and I'll be generous and I'll even give up the things that, that, I, that I want and that I need sometimes. I will make the sacrifice for you because you did it for me. And there's nothing I can do to thank you for that. How many of you would say today in this room, you're thankful for God's grace in your life? Just raise your hand up. How many of you would keep your hand up? You would say, God's been good to you. God's been good to you, even when you haven't been so good. God has saved you from the pit. God spared you from disaster at times. He's moved mountains for you. God has done miracles for you. Okay, listen, generosity is a response to that grace. It's not about the money. It's about your heart. It's a heart that says, I want to say thank you. God, my heart is motivated by your grace. I have a deep understanding of your grace, and so I give. Giving is an act of worship. When you come to church and you sing the songs and you pray and you apply God's word, but when you worship, you give. And so I want to challenge you today to worship through giving. To step, of course, first into obedience. And if you're already there, step into generosity. And maybe you're already doing obedience and generosity really well. Would you ask the Lord, where is it that you can make a sacrifice? What can you live without? When we choose to hold on to our resources, we always lose more than we think we're gaining. And I think a weak perspective, a weak theology of generosity can stop the river of God's grace in our lives and through our lives. And if we believe the whole world needs to know the grace of God that we just thanked him for, we got to get obedient, generous. We got to make some sacrifices because God himself wants to meet every soul on the planet with the grace of God that we've experienced. Would you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to sing this last song. Uh, It just says, I give my life away. Um, You know, I guess I just want to invite you to worship in this altar space today. Sometimes we just need to get serious with God. Sometimes it just takes um, getting our time and our attention. Uh, It takes giving up what we're comfortable with. It takes giving up what what people think about us. And today I just want to come to this space and I want to tell Jesus, you know what? He can have your life. You give it to him. Your life is in his hands. You'll give it all away if he asks you to. You'll you'll give whatever 
he wants for your life because you want him to use you. And so Lord, I just pray right now, I thank you. I thank you, God, for the sacrifices you made for us. I thank you, God, that we'll never be able to say thank you enough. But Lord, today we just try with a little bit of uh, of time we have, with a little bit of of moment we have here, we we just give our lives to you, Lord. We give our lives away to you. We trust you. We trust you. We want you to do something with our lives that's extraordinary. We're willing to be obedient and then generous and make some sacrifices so that you can use our life for something bigger than what we could understand or dream. And so, Lord, would you bless each person that is walking to this altar right now? Would you give some people some courage right now to come down, God? Would you give some people some conviction, some passion in their heart, Lord God, that wants to say, yes, Lord, I'll go to the altar because I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll go to any place. I'll go to to any home. I'll go to any country. I'll go to any city and I'll tell them about the grace of God that you have poured into my life because I can't thank you enough for it. God, would you make us thankful you put us in a position where where all we have is just our lives to lay before you and Lord we give it away we just give it away you can have it you can have all our resources you can have all our words you can have all our days you can have all everything we have God no one has to like us for it (laughs) no one has to tell us we're doing a good job no one has to affirm us or give us a medal or or tell us we're, uh, we're we're this or we're that God all we have to do is stand before you at the end of our say, God, I did what you asked me to do. I sacrificed what you asked me to sacrifice. And God, you used my life for something. So Lord, we give ourselves away today. i 
Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. We'd love it if you give us a rating and a review on your podcast app, and please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Eerie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.